Okay, okay, okay. Let me welcome everybody to our worship service. Let's uh, give just a warm welcome to everybody who's watching across the uh, network of churches here. Let's thank God for everybody that's with us here today, man. <laughs> welcome to Compassion. Those of you who are online, welcome, welcome. Hey, we're continuing in a series of messages that we're calling Rooted, and we're investigating seven rhythms of discipleship. Now, let me define that word for you. Discipleship is relationally learning how to think and act and love like Jesus. Now, the way we like to think about discipleship is this. <clears throat> be, become, and do. Man, you've got to choose to be with Jesus as a part of his family, and then you're going to be, start becoming like Jesus because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, you're going to start doing what Jesus would do. Now, friends, this is what Paul was talking about when he said, let your roots grow down deep into him, and then let your lives be built on him, and then... Man, your faith will be, grow strong in the truth that you've been taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness, which means, man, you'll be glad you made that decision to give your life to Christ and, and just be rooted in, and grounded in Him. Now, if your faith does not create joy in you, you need to be discipled, because that's what happens when you get discipled, man. You begin to overflow with thankfulness. Now, two weeks ago, uh, we drilled down on how prayer Man helps us put our roots down deep into our relationship with God. And this week, we're going to look at a rhythm of discipleship that roots you in the wisdom of God, and that is the discipline of generosity. Now, friends, if you embrace the discipline of generosity, you're going to see, and you're going to see in this message how so many compassionate Christians already have. I'm telling you, this will set you apart from people who are not deeply rooted in the financial wisdom of God. Now, let me tell you what the average person in our country looks like. Just like the rest of the herd, the average person in our country lives beyond their means. They spend more money than they make. Consequently, the average person is broke. They got maxed out credit cards, piles of debt, families and couples fighting over finances, living paycheck to paycheck. And man, if you're not rooted in God's financial wisdom, you can't be generous even when you want to be. And I'm telling you, this pandemic has made things worse which means it's no wonder that one of the leading causes of divorce in our country is a lack of financial wisdom. Now, I heard one guy say that he was praying that his life and his money would run out at exactly the same time, which I think is a great idea, right? And he said, I've got this thing all figured out. If I die after lunch next Tuesday, I'll be right on plan, right? <laughs> now, friends, let's just be honest. The way the average person handles their finances in our country is just not working. So here's the proposal for the next couple messages. If you want what the average person has financially, then just do what the average person does. But man, if you want the financial favor that comes you know, from above to people who are rooted and grounded in the wisdom of Jesus, then man, you gotta do what people who honor Jesus do. Now, every time we talk about finances in church, there are some people who get very uncomfortable uh, some of you invited a friend to this service today and you're going, oh no, not this, right? And can I just ask you to take a deep breath and relax? Let me tell you what my spirit is. I hope I can come alongside you as a friend today and just talk about how we can all do better this year in this challenging area of our life. And can I just say, if you're here for the first time and you take this message seriously, I promise you, if you apply what we learned from Jesus today, it will change your life. And the worse your financial situation is, the more important this message will be for you. So let's just start out by identifying three common attitudes about money. 
And then we're going to finish up by, you know, unpacking a story that Jesus told about the uncommon attitude toward money that people have when they are rooted deeply in the wisdom of God. Now, here's attitude number one, common attitude, more money will make you more happy. If you just had more money, you'd be more happy. This is the common wisdom. Got to have more, feed the monster more. Got to have more so we can have more fun. And yet the Bible says that King Solomon in the Old Testament was the wisest man who has ever lived. And he had more money than any of us here should ever expect to have. And here's what he said. Whoever loves money will never have enough. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Now, friends, the crazy thing is, no matter how much money you have, if that's what you think life is all about, dude, all you will see is people who have more than you. And you will chase that rabbit the rest of your life. Actor Jim Carrey has got a great quote. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that is not the answer. Here's a second common attitude. All the church is interested in is my money. You ever heard anybody say that? All the church is interested in is my money. Now, I know some people come to church and you're just cynical. You doubt the pastor's motive every time they talk about money. And can I just honestly say, I get it. I get that. Dude, I'm frankly embarrassed by much of what happens in the name of Jesus when it comes to money and politics. And so I get why some people are really cynical. But can we just have an honest conversation about this for once can we just ask, is that really true? Is there any evidence that all the church is interested in is your money? Because I'm telling you, if you're honest, there are lots of people who worship with us every week who give little or nothing to this church. And you know what? We don't send collection agencies after them. We don't send you a monthly invoice, you know, for Compassion Kids or Compassion Students or Worship Center Seats at Compassion or your fair share if you're watching online. Dude, we don't refuse ministry to you or your kids if you don't help with the financial burden of providing that ministry. And if you've been here over five minutes, you know the opposite of that is true. Man, we throw the doors of this church open to everybody. Man, we provide, sir, we provide children's ministry materials for people online who have never been to this church and have never given in any way to support the ministry we do here. The truth is, church is free. Now, Next time you go to a restaurant, see if you can get it to work like that for you. <laughs> or next time you go into a store shop, hey, do y'all remember back when we used to go to store shopping? Y'all remember that when you would go inside and you'd pick out some clothes or some shoes or auto parts or sports equipment or whatever you're thinking? Hey, just get a big armful of that stuff and walk out in a store like it's free and see how long it takes the police to get there. Now just ask yourself, has that ever happened to you at church? <laughs> I hope not. I know it's never happened here. I mean, friends, businesses are all about the money. Compassion Christian is about ministry. And I mean, if you want to be really honest about the money thing, the church is one of the few organizations in the world that exists in great part to give ourselves away. Now, you think about what our church was able to do during the global pandemic. Friends, we gave away more money in 2020 than ever before, and we saw God bless more than ever before last year. We didn't meet for 196 days, and yet we gave over $2.1 million away to the poor people in our community, and our world just gave it away. I'll tell you, because of your generosity, our partners in Asia and Eastern Europe and Africa and North and South America led over 89,000 people 
to put their faith in Jesus last year. We ought to praise the Lord for that. Our partner in India said it's the most fruitful year we've ever had in ministry during a COVID pandemic. You know why? Because people know they can't trust life in this world. And they're looking for something they can put their trust in. Man, we have kids that are in orphanages in Africa and in Asia and in India. Uh, kids who are being rescued from human trafficking. That your, your, your generosity paid for us to be able to provide those services. Dude, you know, our church gives away 10,000 bags of groceries to neglected public school children in our community every month. But during the pandemic, we gave over 100,000 bags of groceries away, and they weren't even having school through our PAC ministry. In addition to that, we helped thousands of families through our Lighthouse ministry. Friends, we're able to do all of that mercy ministry because spiritually rooted people with financial wisdom actually want God to take some of their money and turn it into life-changing ministry. And it's, it's voluntary. Crazy, but it's voluntary. I mean, at Compassion, we're not about the money. We're about the ministry and the impact that we can make in Jesus' name in our generation. And nobody has ever gotten a bill for it. <laughs> nobody has ever got Every dollar we have ever deployed has been voluntarily given by people whose faith is rooted deep in Jesus. Now, friend, if you are skeptical about that kind of generosity, I want to encourage you to just stick around through this Rooted series and ask yourself this question. Would people in our community and in our world be better off if they moved in the direction of Jesus' teaching? or worse off. And I hope you'll summon your courage and humble yourself and see if intellectual honesty does not lead you from skepticism to faith rooted in Jesus. Now here's another common attitude people have about money. It's my money, I can do whatever I want to with it. And friends, let me tell you, that's what most of us think. And when Jesus lived, he lived in a culture where people felt exactly the same way. And that's why he gave us the story he gave us in Matthew 25. So open your Bible to Matthew 25. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Uh, this is one of my favorite stories. Jesus tells us how God feels about money. I mean, we know how we feel about it, how the culture feels about it. Jesus tells us how God feels about it. Jesus tells a story that describes what life is like in the kingdom of heaven, where spiritually rooted people live by the wisdom of God. Now look at verse 14. Jesus said again, it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. He gave one five bags of gold. He gave another two bags of gold. He gave to another one bag, each according to his ability, and then he went on his journey. Now friends, this story begins with the owner of this vast estate and all of this gold going on a long trip, and it says he entrusted his wealth to his servants. Now the first question is, who owns all that wealth? Well, it's the owner, not the servants. Now these bags, I mean, just, uh, let's say they're worth $30,000 each. So the first guy gets $150,000, and the second guy gets $60,000, and I mean the guy at the bottom gets 30,000 bucks, and the master gave each manager what he thought they had the responsibility to handle. Implicit in this story is a directive. Be careful of my stuff. Be a good steward of my stuff. Put it to work, invest it, get a return on it. You do with my stuff what I would do with it. Now you can live off of it, and I expect you to live off of it, but I'm entrusting you with my wealth, and I'm going to evaluate you when I get back. Now in the course of this parable, Jesus is going to call us to embrace some really <laughs> uncommon attitudes toward wealth 
as opposed to the common way that most people think about it. Here's uncommon attitude number one. And friends, this is so contrary, you know, to the typical attitude uh, that uh, we have about money. And here it is. I am not an owner. I'm a manager of God's money. Now, friends, I don't have to tell you that every one of us is born thinking exactly the opposite of that. And we're born that way. Now, I've got a bunch of little grandkids, so I have a house full of goldfish. Y'all know what goldfish are? The little gold crackers have a lot of salt on them. They're awesome. And they, they love those things. And so Papa buys them about a big gallon bucket, you know. And I want my grandchildren to have healthy snacks. You know, fish is good for you. So I got the goldfish thing. <laughs> and so sometimes I'll pour my little bowl of goldfish and I'll hand one of the little bowl. And I love those things. So they're eating their little goldfish and I'll reach out to take one and they'll go, no. Those little sinners will turn that bowl away from me. And then they'll say, this is, they're so cocky. This is my papa. No, this is, what will they say? Mine. Mine. And I'm thinking, little jack, I mean, little unnamed grandchild. Who do you think gave you those goldfish? Boy, who do you think bought those goldfish so he could give them to you? Now, you know where Jesus is going with all this? Were these three guys who got plussed up owners of that gold? No. They were stewards. They were managing God's stuff. Now listen, a good manager will always honor the desire of the actual owner. They're grateful. Man, thanks for entrusting me with all this stuff. Dude, I'm living large because of your generosity. Thank you. But they also feel responsible. Well, this is my master's stuff. What does he want me to do with this stuff? And I think Jesus is trying to teach us that God, who's the owner in this story, has entrusted you and me with different amounts of resources, stuff, money, property, all that. And yet God is the owner and you and I are stewards. We are responsible, accountable managers. Now, I know this just flies in the face of the rugged individualism and, you know, self-made man, you know, kind of illusion that we're all born with in America. I mean, if you were to walk up to the average person in our country and say, hey, who owns all the money in your bank account? They would look at you like you're stupid. Like, duh, I do. You know why they think that? Maybe because they don't know the Lord. Well, they know of the Lord. But if they knew the Lord, they would agree with the Lord. Amen? And the Lord said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And I know some of you hear that, and you go, Cam, that's nice poetry, dude. That's ancient poetry. I get it. But hey, who's doing the work? Who's making it happen? Who's earning that money? And you know, it's almost like God knew we would think that way. So way back in the day, when his people were coming out of four centuries of slavery, and they had to be taught how to think like free spiritual people instead of idol worshipers and slaves, God told them, when I take you to the promised land, I'm going to bless you. And when I bless you, you're going to start thinking to yourself, I did all this. I did this all by myself. I'm rich. It's all mine. And when you start thinking that way, think again. Remember that God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all this wealth. Now, friends, here's what God would tell every one of us. And this is really uncommon wisdom. Uh, you know, this will never come naturally to you. So let this sink in. That brain you have, to develop all those skills you have, that strength that you have to earn any of the money you have, God thinks that came from him. 
I mean, even the opportunities that you have. Now, I got a buddy who's just about to make a killing on an investment he made just a couple years ago, and he is so excited about the opportunity to give a tithe of that and even more. You know why? Because he knows God blessed him not only with the money he invested, but with the opportunity. He thinks God opened a door for him to make that investment. Now, the minute you start thinking, that's mine, came from me, I ultimately control it, Jesus would say wrong. Now, God has given us all free will. If you want to say mine, God will say fine. You want to do your life without my blessing? Fine. You want to X me out of your future? Go ahead and make that choice. Let's see how that works for you. How's it been working so far? Now think about it, man. Can God bless any area of your life that you refuse to yield control to him? Not hardly. Okay, let's get crazy, y'all. It's a new year. We need to have some fun. Uh, so everybody on every campus, all y'all on, online, repeat after me. Big voice. Now, come on. I was born. I was born. Buck naked. You know, y'all said that louder than I expected, to be honest with you. <laughs> y'all tried to get freed up in church here a little bit. All right, here we go. I will die. I will die. Empty-handed. Empty now, if y'all were thinking buck naked, you're going to die, y'all got a problem. You know what I'm saying? Come on up. I will die empty-handed. Repeat after me. In between, In between. I, manage I manage God's stuff. Friends, that's how God sees it. That's how God sees it. Now, you can accept that wisdom or reject it, but, dude, if that's how Jesus thinks, then every financial decision is a spiritual decision because God has entrusted his stuff to us. Enjoy it, of course. Benefit from it, yes. Make memories with it. Oh, he wants you to. But the wise people remember who it belongs to, and they take their cues from him. Now, here's another uncommon attitude. Only spiritually rooted people will get this. Here it is. I am responsible to advance the owner's goals before, everybody say before, before, before my own. I'm responsible to advance the owner's goals before my own. Now let's go back to Jesus' story. What, what were these guys supposed to do with the stuff that they had received from their master? Look at verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put the money to work. And man, he gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received the one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, friends, the first two stepped up and they managed their master's resources in a way that advanced their master's agenda, advanced his goals, and wow, they did so well. And you're going to see, they got so blessed because they did. The third person was either paralyzed by fear or greed or just didn't get it. So they buried their master's gold, hoarded it, mismanaged it in his view in a way that did not produce a single advancement of the master's goals. Now let's talk about us. Let's talk about you. Have you put some of your master's resources, I'm talking about what you earned this week, what's in your bank account, what's in your wallet, investments you own, what you got from that inheritance? Have you used some of your master's resources generously you know, they came generously from your master. Have you used them to advance his goals? Because let me tell you, we have a church full of people who have because they are rooted in this wisdom. And it changes things. For example, let me give you my testimony. When Sarah and I got married, 
we decided that we would do what uncommon people do financially so that we could end up, you know, with what uncommon people end up with financially. So we decided as husband and wife that we would honor God first. We would give him the first portion of everything we made so that we would have his supernatural blessing on our financial lives. You know, we're going to give him the first 10% of every dollar we make and then trust him to bless us, bless the 90%, right? And I mean, he has blessed us through cancer and car accidents and COVID and everything. But listen, that's what spiritually rooted people do. In addition, we have tried to never put anything on a credit card that we can't pay for in full at the end of the month no interest from us, they hate us. That's the way we like it. Use them, right? <laughs> now, I got in trouble. I'll be honest with you. I got in trouble when we first moved to Savannah. We left a little church of 50, and we came here to a big church of 250, and I took a massive pay cut. Now, that's what kind of business sense I have, right? I, took, I came here for a massive pay cut, and man, it was very difficult. Uh, and then we got hit with some medical emergencies, and I've told you all about that stuff in the past. But once we got through those trials 25, 30 years ago, we have never put anything on a credit card that we couldn't pay for at the end of the month. Because that's what God says wise people do. No debt for dumb stuff. Can I hear amen? No debt for dumb stuff. We also decided that we would save a portion of what we made for the future and just never touch it. And so we built this emergency fund that does get touched every now and then because we have lots of emergencies. Uh, my ice machine went out in early December, and so I had to pay a fortune to get that fixed, and I'm still a little resentful about it. But that's what we have emergency funds for. Use that money, praise the Lord. But by God's grace, we've also been able to save for the future. And over the years, that, that has accumulated. And I only wish I could have started sooner because I'm telling you, man, God has blessed that. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. Is he speaking a foreign language? I mean, is it even legal in America to not carry a balance on your credit card? I know some of y'all are thinking, bro, we've never heard this before. What kind of high-tech, sophisticated money management system do you and Sarah use? Well, I'll show you. Uh, and I hope you'll start practicing this. This is God's financial system for your life. And I guarantee you, if you start using this system 12 months from today you will see a huge difference. I'm gonna do this slowly. Let me, let me hold this up for you. This is 10 $1 bills, all right? 10 $1 bills. Now, y'all watch this. This is tricky. Y'all ready for this? Every time we get 10 of these, we give one or more of these to the Lord. First thing. And then we save one or more of these for the future in a savings account or an investment account or something like that. And then we live on the rest. Now, did I go through that too fast? Did I lose anybody? Uh, I'll do it again. Now, you know, while I'm get, getting ready, while I'm getting set up on this sophisticated thing here, I've got a friend of mine who mentors a 10th grade inner city uh, young man. And this kid is awesome. I mean, he is awesome. He works hard in school. He plays football for his school. He's got an afternoon job. This, this, this kid is so godly. He's so blessed because a friend of mine is mentoring him, and it's awesome. But my buddy started talking him through this system the other day and talking about, listen, if you follow this plan, it will give you control of your financial future. And he was like, what? Dude, where did you hear this? Where did you learn? Why don't they teach us this stuff in school? <laughs> I hate to tell them because your teachers don't know how to do it. But anyway, at least you can come to church and learn how to do it, right? So now I know when I did this a minute ago, it's like watching a card trick. It went so fast. You were like, woo, dazzled, right? So let me slow this way down. I'm going to slow this way down. Y'all ready for this? Every time we get 10 of these... 
we give one or more to God as a tithe, and then we save one or more. We pay ourselves so that we'll be blessed in the future with that, and then we live on the rest. And look at how much left we have to live on, y'all. We go wild and crazy on this. I mean, weekends in Waynesboro, bro. This is awesome, right? <laughs> Woohoo! Now, I know some of y'all are thinking, Cam, you're trying to make it sound like it's easy to live on 80%. No, I'm not. It's hard to live on 80%. It's hard. It is so hard that only spiritually rooted people have the discipline to do this. Of course it's hard. Everything, every good thing in life that's worth doing is hard. But if you're a child of God, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do hard things. Amen? Come on, man. Listen, this is the system that we have used to disciple people at Compassion Christian to be stewards of God's resources, and it has transformed thousands of lives. It's transformed our church. I mean, think about it. In the worst global, medical, economic upheaval in recent history, you gave more to advance the kingdom of God in 2020 than you did in 2019. Praise the Lord, man. Come on. How can that be? How can that be? Well, I'll tell you the answer to that. We have so many of us who are rooted deep in our faith in Jesus. And that has made us strong and disciplined and led us to honor God, which has positioned us as a church to do the best of things in the worst of times. Anybody want to say praise the Lord? Because I'm telling you, you should. On the other hand, maybe you did not grow up in a family where you were taught the wisdom of this biblical financial, financial principle. Or maybe going through these recent months and years, man, you've just been hammered by unexpected circumstances and you don't have a clue how to climb out. And if that's you, can I just encourage you with all the strength I have to jump into one of our Financial Peace University classes. Now friends, this is one night a week for nine weeks that literally will change the way you manage your money forever. Listen, we will teach you how to build a $1,000 emergency fund quick. We'll teach you how to get out of debt as painlessly as it is possible. We'll teach you how to invest money and get interest working for you instead of against you. You know, when my buddy was talking to that young man in downtown Savannah, he said, listen, people who understand how interest works earn it. And people who don't pay it. And I'm telling you, that's the truth. Now, Sarah and I have taken or taught Financial Peace University two or three times in the last 20 years. I insisted as much as I could that my adult kids go through Financial Peace University with their spouses when they first got married. Friends, I'm telling you, Financial Peace University classes are available on all of our campuses. They're starting January 31st. Registration is opening right now. And listen, if you're uncomfortable, if you're online, and then you're uncomfortable attending in person, dude, you can take this class online. And I'm telling you, if you want something different, you've got to do something different. Now, let me show you how Jesus concludes this story, because it's hard. Y'all ready for this? In verse 19, it says, After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with them. And Jesus is teaching that one day, you will be evaluated by God regarding what you did with his stuff. And the first two reported that they did good. 
They said, Lord, we've doubled what you entrusted to us. Now, we lived well, and we were blessed, and we got lots of great memories. But, man, we advanced your goals the whole time. I mean, the guy with five bags, he said, I made ten for you. The person with two bags, they turned it into four. And then in verse 21, the master says, well done, good and faithful servants. Man, you've been faithful in a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Why? Because you have proven that you're trustworthy. You have proven that if I shovel it in, you'll shovel it out. Come and share your master's happiness because we go to Disney World. Now, friends, get this. There's nothing about Disney World in this story. They did the right thing with no promise of reward at all. They did the right thing because it was the right thing, because it honored their master. But look what happened. Man, when you honor the Lord, he honors you. Now, there's one last uncommon attitude that you've got to get today. I demonstrate who the owner is by honoring the owner first. I demonstrate who I think the owner is by honoring the owner first. Now, think about this. There's really only five things you can do with money. I don't know if you think about it. There's only five things you can do. You can spend it. Anybody need any coaching on that? I don't think so. We got this one down, right? You can pay debt. You got bills. We all got to pay bills. And listen, if you don't pay your bills, you dishonor God, and then eventually you crash, so you got to pay bills. Uh, you got to pay taxes. Listen, we live in the greatest country in the world. Jesus told people who did not live in the greatest country in the world that you should give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. It is a sin to not pay taxes. It's a sin. Uh, and then you can save money, and if you're smart, you save some for the future, and then you can give. Man, you, you can give it to the Lord. You can give it to your church. You can give it to help people who are in trouble. You can give it to causes you really believe in. These are the five things that you can do with money. Now, unfortunately, this is also the priorities that most people follow in order with how they use money. This is how they do it. And if you think about it, this is what the priority system looks like. If this is you, this is what your priority system looks like, okay? Uh, put the next slide up. Me, number one. Me, number two. We, you like those interstate highways, right? Okay, we, uh, save it, me, and then at the bottom, if there's anything left, then we'll, we'll do a little something for the Lord. Now, friends, that, <laughs> that is the way most people think about money, and astoundingly to me, they still think God should answer their prayers. They still think that God should bless their finances. And this is their priority system. I mean, it's like they would say, oh, God, please bless my family. Bless my career. Give me a job. Get me out of financial trouble. Help me with a promotion, Lord, please. I need a pay raise. Please, God, help me, help me, help me. Bless me. Bless. Lord, you make blessing me a priority for you. Please, God, show up for me. But if you do, just understand, you will be at the bottom of my priorities. If you bless me, you'll be the last person I think through. And friends, then we whine about our prayers not being answered? Don't make a look of sense to me. Now, friend, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty here today. I mean, all, everybody starts like this. This is how everybody starts out. This is how unwise people manage money until the Lord wises them up. And I know you would never intentionally say, Jesus, I'm putting you last, bro. You're going last. You would never say that. But if this is... Your system, he is last, and you put him there. And friends, here's the problem. If he's last, how can he bless your life? 
How can he bless you if, you're the, if he's the last thing you think about? Now, the wisdom of God teaches us to invert this order. He teaches us to reverse this. Man, you give to God first. If, if he's your priority, then, then make it happen. Spend your money that way. And then save some. So, you know, you're not spending every dollar you make every time you get paid. And then pay your taxes. Yeah, please, stay out of jail. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And then pay your debts. Take care of business. And then if you've got some money left over, go crazy, man. But listen, you've been financially responsible. You have priorities that honor the Lord. Friends, the wisdom of God is crystal clear. Honor the Lord with your wealth from the first fruits of your crops. I'm telling you, this is the most practical, powerful, blessing, magnetizing way for you to say to the Lord, you're number one in my life, and I'm going to prove it by honoring you. I'm going to prove it even when it's hard. I'm going to prove it when it doesn't look like you're blessing me at first. You're number one, and I'm going to start treating you that way. Now, friends, you, you should have one of these cards on your seat when you came in today. Pull this thing out, and let's just take a look at this commitment card. Because I'm telling you, getting on God's financial, getting on the plan for God's financial blessing is going to start when you make a decision. Now, you know the old saying, if, if all you want is what you got right now, then just keep doing what you're doing right now. But if you want something different, you got to do something different. So make a decision. Just make a decision. I'm going to honor God by how I manage my life, my resources, what I do on the weekends. I'm going to put him first. Just decide. Dude, if you're not a tither, it will never be easier to start tithing than it is here at Compassion Christian. Now, you know the word tithe means tenth. And so tithing is giving 10% of your gross income to your master at your church. Now, you tithe where you're being spiritually fed. Uh, you don't eat at McDonald's and pay at Chick-fil-A. Amen? Now, listen. One of those $10 that you give to the Lord, you give to your church. Now, if you want to support other charities, knock yourself out. You want to give to FCA or, you know, the Heart Fund or whatever, do it. I do, but your tithe goes to your church. Now, in the last book of the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi gives us one of the most surprising, challenging statements in the Bible. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there'll be food enough in my temple, which would be analogous to the church in our day. He says, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Just try it. Put me to the test, he says. It's the only place in the Bible where he actually says that. And friends, we believe, we believe this so much that we're willing to offer you a 90-day tithing challenge to help you get started. Now, here's how it works. Start tithing today. Now, here's how you figure out what your tithe is. Take your gross income, divide it by 10, that's your tithe. Give 10% of everything you make for the next 90 days. Don't miss a single week. And at the end of that 90 days, if you think God did not bless you, we'll refund your money. We'll give it back. Now, let me tell you, he can bless you in lots of ways besides money. Now, I just had my 12th grandchild. You know how many of my children were born sick? Zero. Now, I have a little friend up in Illinois. His name is Israel Baker. He was born without kidneys. His parents have been hovering over him in hospitals his whole life. His grandparents are good friends of mine. I've had 12 kids, and they are all healthy and strong. Who's the most blessed man in the room here today? I think it's me. Friends, he's blessed me in a lot of ways. Money is one of the least ways he's blessed me. But he can bless you, and I just want to encourage you to try it. Dude, God is inviting you. Put me to the test. Just tithe, uh, give online, or give with a check so we'll know what you gave. Don't come to me 90 days from today and say, Cam, I gave $40,000 in cash. 
It's not that I don't believe you, but I would not believe you. All right, so anyway, just give us a check, give online. At the end of 90 days, if you can honestly say, God did not bless me, we'll give you your money back. Now, friends, how confident must we be in the generosity of God to offer you a money-back guarantee? Just try it. Or maybe that's not your thing. Maybe your next step is to go to Financial Peace University. Listen, if you're in high school, I would encourage you to take this class. Man, make a really good decision before you make a bunch of dumb decisions. You'll be glad you did. Maybe your next step is to get engaged in our ministry. Man, go to Growth Track. Get yourself team ready and then serve somewhere. Man, be a steward of the gifts and the personality and the influence that the master gave you to make a difference for him. And then sign your name on the bottom of this card and put it in your Bible. Dude, don't give it to me. This ain't between you and me. This is between you and God. But can I just say, if you're ready to try this 90-day tithing challenge, I do want you to tell me. I want you to tell me so I can pray for you. If you take this 90-day challenge, I will pray for you over the next 90 days. And here's how it'll work. There's a QR code right on the back of your seat. If you scan that with your phone, It'll take you to the 90-day tithing challenge. Give me your name and your email address, and I will start praying for you. I will pray for you over the next 90 days. And on the 90th day, I'm going to email you and ask you to tell me the story of how God has blessed you. Tell me your tithing story. Tell me what God, how God showed up in your life, and then we're going to celebrate that together. So, friends, if you're ready to cowboy up, I'm ready to pray for you. And if you don't have a phone to scan that QR code, just write your name and address or phone number or where I can send a carrier pigeon or whatever it is and, and come and give it to somebody down front here at, the, at all of our campuses and, and I'll start praying for you in 90 days from today. I'm looking forward to hearing your story. Friends, if you will make a commitment to obey God and then follow through, just watch what happens as your finances get deeply rooted in God's wisdom for your life. This is for you. This is for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity you've given us, Lord, to, to look at this rhythm of discipleship that followers of Jesus have honored, Lord, since the time of Christ. I pray, God, that it will, it will be a firewall against financial foolishness for us. It'll be a firewall against idolatry. It will build discipline in our lives, Lord, that will then apply to almost every area, every rhythm of discipleship in our life. And I pray, God, that there will be those who will start today. Now, Lord, let's just set this whole money thing aside and let's talk about the real treasure you want us to steward. You want our life. You want our love. You want our future. And Father, you are the only person in the universe worthy of that gift. But Father, you sent Jesus to pave a way for us to come to you and surrender our lives to you and just watch how you bless because we did. And I pray, God, that there will be folks here today and just talk about money has reminded them that they've never given their life to you. They've never made the big gift yet. And I pray, God, that there will be those on every campus and online, Lord, who will make that decision today to give their life to you. Father, we pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said...